Okay, that sounds grand. Landscape Alaska is back on the air. I can't hear myself. Well, what do you know? And it's a conversation with Alaskan gardeners. This is a call-in show. 907-586-1800. Call us up and let's talk about landscaping and gardening. Margaret Tharp of Landscape Alaska and David Lundrum are here. Having a wonderful time. Having a wonderful time. Getting ready for the holiday. Not only that, having driven in past the grasses in bloom on the wetlands with that pink haze all over the top of them. I know. Absolutely amazing. You know, you think about grass as being green and all of a sudden there it is with pink all over the top of it. It's like frosting. Pink frosting on top of a grass cake. That's right. Perfect. And... um, there's a lot of grass out there. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Okay, 4th of July coming right up. And it uh, looks like a long stretch of clear and sunny weather. Boy, you know, are we what excited. What are we going to do with that? I mean... Mow lawns. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. We're going to dig holes, plant flowers, and mow, mow, mow. It is time to, to uh, think about planting your mid-season perennials, you know. And what are really good mid-season perennials, Mark? Bee balm. Uh, what is bee balm? Yarrow, uh, phlox. Um, I know yarrow. Fox what's gloves. What's bee balm? Bee balm, uh, monarda. Describe it for me. Well, they, the ones we carry, are, there are many kinds. The old-fashioned standard was a rather tall plant in bright red. But they have hybridized them to be more dwarf, which means they don't fall over when the rain comes in July. So I like the dwarf ones because they maintain themselves in a tighter form. And they're kind of like, look like a bachelor button type of flower and then it's many, many little petals of color. And they come in purple, red, shades of pink. Uh, I, I always go for the hot pink and I like to plant it with yellow uh, moonshine yarrow, so that the yellow and the pink bring a lot of color to your garden edge. And uh, they sustain themselves through all the mid-season wa- water we get. You know, July is our rainy month. Are they fragrant? No, but the leaves are. are and they-, they use it to flavor tea. Isn't that what you told me? That's right. Earl Grey? Earl Grey tea is flavored with bergamot, and that's the the Latin name for that. Right on. So other midsummer perennials like the hollyhocks are just stretching up their bloom stalks right now. And setting flower buds. I noticed that big flower buds being set on them. Those are dwarf hollyhocks, and they're only going to get about three feet tall. That's plenty. You know, the thing is, when the bad weather comes, as much as you love delphiniums and you love foxgloves and things like that, if you don't have them staked well, they just get blown apart. So um, having dwarf flowers that get three feet tall uh, sustain themselves better and if anybody's interested send me a text or an email i have a design for a tower that you can use for your your tall growing perennials that you put up before they grow and it really really works well so our son connor has been working on an online catalog for landscape alaska yeah a catalog and it went live this week so if you want to uh Look through the available plant material. It's only the tip of the iceberg because, you know, like every other nursery, we have hundreds and hundreds of things that we've only got a few of. 
and uh, a few of this and a few of that and a whole lot of something else. I don't know, Dave. We have an awful lot of perennials. You know, I went. I spent the spring in the bad weather moving all our uh, giant plugs up into gallon cans. So we have a large selection of all kinds of things. Okay, what, like? Uh... Well, we have two types of delphinium. One's called a, a round table variety, which I, I don't know anything about. It's a new I do. entry, so what do you know about it? That this is the old-fashioned one that, that the Black Prince and the Galahad and Lancelot, and those are the classic old English delphiniums get about that's what uh, doc polly had outside his house the gigantic ones the gigantic ones they grow six eight his were 10 feet tall he had to go out his upstairs window and tie them <laughs> onto his house they were huge uh-huh. those are the biggest delphiniums i've ever seen in my life but, so we have those and we have the blue guardian and that's a smaller and shorter form right 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 and then we have uh, several kinds of flocks and um I don't know. I didn't come with a list in my brain. We okay, have that, foxgloves. Uh-huh, that yarrow? You have some yarrow? Yes, we have nice yarrow. Okay, so midsummer perennials is where it's at now. That's what you want. You want something that's going to go all the way into October. Lots of people have spring perennials in their yards. They have primroses and glow flowers. And there's flowers. Roseanne, Roseanne geranium. Oh, yeah. Roseanne is the queen, isn't she? And next year we'll have the other ro- geranium that... that uh, the sky blue one? No, the... The pink one that you like so much with the oh. colorful leaves. Bevins. Bevins. We'll have Bevins next oh, year. Yeah. I pot up a whole bunch of it. Good. It is my favorite one, you know. Well, it has beautiful fall color. Beautiful fall color. Absolutely beautiful. The idea that you have perennials that change colors in the fall, just like shrubbery changes colors in the fall. Adds to the garden. It certainly does. Uh, speaking of adding color to the garden, people should drive by the Riverview condominiums, and I mean Riverview assisted living, and the azaleas you planted this springtime. They're something, aren't they? They are something else. Those bright, bright flowers and the rosy f- foliage on them, they are truly tra- traffic stoppers. Yeah, we ought to try to get some more of those because they're big. They are. I mean, they're four and a half feet tall now. Uh-huh. And, and in, the, in the ground. Yeah. They certainly make a landscape statement, don't they? Well, and they're another fall. The leaf color changes. Absolutely. And it's going now into the kind of midsummer color, and then it's going to get bright red come fall. It's true. It's a multi-season shrub. Mm -hmm. Starts out green, goes to kind of bronze, and then it turns into bright, bright red. And it has those spectacular flowers in the early summer. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, uh, as, as it's approaching the midpoint of the the plant life cycle, it's also the midlife of the bug cycle, and aphids are really, really. It was really buggy this week. I don't <laughs> know about aphids, but there are lots of flies and bugs and bees mosquitoes and, and everything. Mm-hmm. That's, the world is full of them. Well, one of the things about aphids on your plants is that there is a control for aphids, which is releasing a another insect that eats them and we got a we have a friend who's in that business who raises bug eggs and and i got a shipment of bug eggs this week that are uh, they are on little cards and you attach them to your plant and as the eggs hatch out the little predator bugs which look like little tiny short-tailed alligators 
crawl out and go creeping around on the plant and eating the aphids. And, if you and wanna, so they would be good also for soil gnats, for people who have house plants. Soil gnats, and they're also good for mealy bugs. And they eat little tiny beetles. They eat those too. They're, uh, they're a multi-species predator. But the little package that you get has 500 eggs on it, and you hang it on the it's leaf. It's very polite. It's, it looks very, very polite. It does. <coughs> and you can, you can see an example of it on the Craigslist ad I posted this morning. So there's a, an ad showing the picture of the predator eating aphids and a picture of the little card you hang on your plant. It's such a cute and discreet way to manage what's otherwise a nasty pest. And you can call me up and talk to me about that. So what about spit bugs? People have called and asked about spit bugs. Well, they've all been week. pretty bad this year. They really are. And and a spit bug is a. I mean, would they attack spit bugs? Oh uh, no, I don't think so. Because they have to get through that fuzz. Uh-huh. And the, the fuzz protects spit. the spit bug from almost everything. Uh-huh. And the spit bug itself is a larval stage, a small stage that's going to become a, a, an adult after it gets ready. And uh, it's a leaf hopper then. So the, uh, the old-fashioned way to manage them is to use a stream of hose, a hose with a stream of water and wash, wash that fuzz off. away. Just wash it right on down. And once they get off the plant, they're not going to be able to get back. You know they're they're pretty uh, pretty immobile. They can't <laughs> crawl around much. Okay, so this is a call-in show. If you have any questions, call David up. That's right. Call me up. I'll talk to you. It's one eight hundred. No, not one eight hundred. Nine zero seven. Five eight six one eight hundred. Uh huh. Five zero six five eight six. Nine zero seven. Five eight six. 1-800. There we go. We got it finally. How, how many right. years have we been doing this? Oh, just a couple. Speaking of uh, years doing it, we've tried to have clematis for many years and been able to get a few at a time. But this time we went to the uh, Dutch importers and got a whole bunch of baby clematis. And they are so cute. They're just expanding out now. If you wanted to plant them around your rose bushes or something like that and expand them up, they're really babies but they've still got flower buds on them already that's great i was i was so surprised yes so we're pruning things this time of year we're pruning the uh the annual stuff that has to get pruned back and come into another bloom shower we're also pruning pruning back the early spring flowering shrubbery and you know of course that if you're going to prune lilac you prune it while it's in bloom so you don't cut off next year's flowers. So it is time to be pruning lilac if you want to take care of that. And feeding it. And feeding everything. So that they all can set flower buds for next year. Because you think, you know, it's uh, 18, 20-hour days. The plants are using up all their their stored Star. ingredients, and uh-huh. uh, they, they need to refill it. So they want to have some more nutrient. And if you look at your plants and they're showing either pale green or purple colors on the leaves, that's generally an indication that they're starving. They want to have either nitrogen or phosphorus. And you can do that with uh, time-release fertilizers. But if you want to have it happen right away, you're going to use some kind of liquid feed for them. I spoke to uh, Tyler Rental this morning, and we talked about uh, battery-powered lawnmowers. And they have a good selection. Oh, well, I'll come back and talk about that in a moment. Good morning, conversations. Um, yes, I'd like to know, do you have any Johnny jump-ups or Penny jump-ups out there? We I sold them all. I think they all went away this last week, yes. Too bad. Oh, yeah. 
They're such pretty things, aren't they? Oh, they're adorable. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. For the, but uh, okay. all kinds of other stuff. Come and see me. Okay. Talk to you okay. later. Bye. So, uh, tell us about pizza. Oh, wait a minute. Lawnmowers. Okay, still lawnmowers. They are so sleek. And the same battery that, that powers the lawnmower also powers the hand blower, the chainsaw. So you can get multi-tool usage out of the same batteries. That's great. It is. Well, we love so our, smart. We love our still battery-powered tools. Absolutely. And, and the still battery-powered blower has been really useful. Yes, Personally, I love my still battery-powered chainsaw. <laughs> well, we have two of them. Yep. You have to share. Okay, I, I'm willing to share. <laughs> they got a good workout this year. But the lawnmowers, you know, I came up on somebody that was using a still battery-powered weed eater the other day. They didn't have a headset on. They had no hearing protection because there was no noise. Uh-huh. All you could hear was the sound of the little swirl of the of the oh, so it's really quiet it's really quiet and, well, the, and the guy that was operating it said you know it's a it's a little lightweight but boy i love not having to listen to that noise and i love the fact that all i have to do is, is start it turn on a switch yeah well i'm sure the mower is just like that yep i think the mower is just like that and they have both self-propelled and you push them the self-propelled of course is going to eat battery power more than the you push them kind is so, like every other kind of battery-powered equipment, you want to make sure the blade stays sharp because it's not going to be tension. It's not going to be power. It's going to be sharpness and speed that makes them work really well. Well, you know, and people take really good care of their lawns. I would certainly think that the battery-powered mower would be the ticket because then you can just go out whenever you're like, okay, let's go start it and let's go. You know, you don't have to take off lots and lots of grass. You just keep it maintained at a low level. It's really a good idea to do that on lawns anyway, isn't it? Yes, it is. So tell me about peat soil. Tell me about the discovery and, and the use of it. Well, I don't think there's any discovery to it. I know that uh, people in Juneau threw it away for generations and generations. <coughs> and uh, when I went to landscape architecture school and was working on my master's degree, I used my experience in transplanting the understory from areas of development. And in doing that, was exposed to a tremendous amount of peat. And the use of peat in your garden, if you can get it, uh, makes all the difference in the world in terms of survivability. And my theory, which I'm not a scientific person, but my experience in seeing it, is it doesn't really freeze hard like our sandy types of soils it sure the surface gets frozen but the heart of your where your trees planted and stuff stays viable throughout the winter so it doesn't sustain as much damage as the more porous soils do because it retains its moisture i certainly noticed that too when we moved things in the middle of the winter when we had to move our nursery in the middle of the winter and don't remind me how many times we moved our nursery in the middle of the winter (laughs) yes that's right and and every time it was in the middle of the winter wasn't it well because we're doing business the rest of the year so it's the only time so i would use a big forklift and and, uh an excavator and take up those chunks of you know 
15 foot tall trees or 18 foot tall trees and and the the top crust would be frozen but below that it would still be thawed the the roots would be white and viable right it's I, really absolutely i see what it, you and mean and that's what's happening that's why it supports the forest you know when you really look at the trees that gets get blown down at the most they're 15 inches deep you know they're 60 feet wide those huge masses of roots but they're not going down very deep and that what keeps them alive is the fact that they're growing in peat absolutely and and uh we and have it's weed free that's the other thing oh that's right doesn't come with weeds <laughs> which of course is a big selling point for me and so we have the word out to all of our friends who are excavators that when they're on projects and they come across a layer of, of nice peat they're going to contact us because we want to buy it and we bought a bunch lately and that means that there is some peat soil available and if you're interested in doing something something landscaping where you've got to build a berm you're going to put in a a shrub border or you're going to plant some good sized trees or something this is an ideal thing and it doesn't come often but it's here right now so if you are interested get in touch with me yeah i really think that the for the trees which is a little bit more complicated a life form than shrubbery uh having peat for your trees is really the ticket because you want a tree to live for a long time and one thing you can do with this, which we have done when, we, when we've moved our nurseries, is you can set the tree on the ground, maybe down into the ground just a little bit, and then pile peat up around it and make a raised bed like that, and the plants seem to just thrive that way. Well, I always put a little bit of peat underneath them and then set them on the ground and then put, put peat around it. Of course. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to do that next week, too. So the hydrangea vines are beginning to, and the hydrangea shrubs and hydrangea trees. Are getting ready to go. They're sending their blooms out. I was looking at the little trees last week and the bloom stems. The flowers aren't open yet, but the bloom stems are poking out about. They're loaded. Uh, eight inches or ten inches. Uh-huh. And the little dwarf ones called little quickfire, really cute just starting to flower right now and the, the quick fire is one that changes colors it starts off pale green and then it turns white creamy and then it turns really creamy pink light pink and then dark pink and finally dark red it's really dramatic and it flowers for about three months at a time so it starts in july and finishes in november that's pretty a, exciting that's a pretty long time i think so too and the Roseanne geranium does the same thing. It's just getting started now, and it's a nice companion plant to go with the hydrangeas. So Roseanne geranium, what color is that? It's an incredible shade of blue. It's almost like a periwinkle blue, but a little bit brighter. It's really an eye-catching blue. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a and new you never one. And you never have to deal with it. <laughs> Sorry, there's a call coming in. A call coming? Okay. Hello, Landscape Alaska. Oh. Uh, good morning. Yesterday I was driving past the uh, high school, and it looked like they were using something that looked like a Roomba lawnmower. Okay. Could you comment? I saw it on the still ad. I didn't know that they had one, but I see that there is a Roomba lawnmower made by still that's battery-powered. It looks really, really sleek. Did it look good to you? I wasn't sure. Um, that's why I called for your comments. But um, 
it sounds like a good idea. Doesn't it, though? You just let it let, let it live in your yard and go out and eat when it wants to? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's kind of like having a pet goat that you can plug oh, in. Even, even better. Wow. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, thanks for the call. I like that. Thank I'm you. glad to hear that that was there. I didn't know that we had one in Juno. And I'll talk to uh, my friends at Tyler and see if we can uh, try one out. Let us know. Thank you. Well, you betcha. You bet. Thank you. Okay, so you've got blooming shrubs coming. The lilacs are in full flower now. Roses are making their flowers. Roses. Spireas are in bloom. Roses are making their flowers. Yeah. You know, everybody loves roses. And there's something about them here that are so, so inspirational because not only do the Ragosa-style roses do so well and get so big and hairy, they make those fabulous rose hips yep. that are just as beautiful as the rose itself. And the rose actually needs a fair amount of fertilization. You know, if you don't fertilize them, they they grow and they bloom, but they don't really boom. If you want them to boom, you got to give them some oomph. And now, so when they when they're coming into flower, they're really growing their leaves and stems and roots at the same time. So this is a really good time to feed roses. I really want you to get us some Hansa roses. They've been hard to get, I know, but you have to you have to contact our rose growers and ask them to now for next year because I have the just, Hansa. I have just a few of them. I know, but I want more. I know, and they're they're a lovely one now because they don't run. Margaret's talking about a kind of rose bush that's like a Sitka rose, but instead of spreading, it stays as a single discrete rose, and instead of having the simple five petaled look that the rose bush has they have 20 petals layer on layer of petals and they're really really aromatic they, they smell are. like cloves and cinnamon and they're really beautiful and roses yes they smell like and roses. they're tough you know you don't have to fuss around you know I, I i guess in some ways you could say i'm a lazy gardener i mean that's hard to say it out loud when it's your business but at the same time i really like the plants that take care of themselves and that's where i go I don't want to plant things that I have to be constantly hammering at in order for them to behave. So that's my list. I got both both hands operating. I love the things that I can plant and they take care of themselves. But I have some things that I really, really like. And I will do everything necessary to have those come for me. You know, and so, so both things are happening with Gardener Dave. Well, it depends on what... It, it depends on what the planting is. But for most gardens, you don't want things that are going to get away from you. Now, if you're doing uh, streamside reclamation or erosion control, you want things that get away from you. You want them to take over. You want them to be the vegetative root mass underneath the soil so it doesn't erode away. Yeah, absolutely. But for gardens, you want things that can stay contained. Except for when you want to have a barrier. And you want to make something that is the edge of your yard and the and uh, covers the fence and grows under the trees. That's a place for something that's really going to take off like that. But you're really right. Maybe. Having something that stays in place is a good help. Well, the Hansa rose, for example, is something you could easily make a barrier out of, and it just wouldn't be growing into your neighbor's yard, which would then cause conflict between you and your neighbor. Yeah, often does, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, Snowmound Spirea is blooming now. I saw in the yard, I saw a cluster of snowmound spireas 
that was so thick you couldn't see any of the green leaves on them. I saw that too. It looked like a football of flowers <laughs> that landed on the bush. I mean, it, 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 and it was so big, it was bending the branches down. Right. They're very happy this oh, year. Very, very happy. Do you remember when Mapco used to be in front of uh, Schweitzer Village? Uh-huh. They had that line of those snowmounts by Rias out there every year, about this time of year, around the 4th of July. The phones would light up. What is that? What's blooming out there? It looks like fireworks. They're such a cool shrub. Well, they're tough, too. You know, I mean, the thing about a spirea, some people think of, oh, ho-hum, because it's so common. But the reality is it takes care of itself. And so I always, if you can find the right place for it, the snow mound gets big, though. I mean, you leave the snow mound alone for 20 years, and you've got a really, really big shrub. I worked for the search clinic in Sitka one year. And one of the things I saw there was a snowbound spirea that had not been pruned for probably 30 years, maybe even 40 years. It was eight feet tall. Exactly. It was almost, it was 15 feet across. And I have this picture taken with the gardening crew. There are four men standing in front of it and the plant's much bigger than they are. Exactly. Exactly. That's and, what I'm saying. Uh, and they said, so what do I do? I said, well, take a picture. You know, it's, <laughs> it's pretty darn cool when it gets that big. Right. So we're coming to the end of our show. If you'd like to uh, be in touch with us, you can look at our website, Landscape Alaska. Look at our catalog. Look at our new catalog. Thanks, Con. A great job. I'm just thrilled with it. So the deal is that you can look on the catalog and uh, order things out of it, and then we look at our stock and see how much we have of that and get back in touch with you. So you can uh, order it from wherever you are in southeast Alaska. And we'll uh, either drive it over to your house, you can come get it, or we can put it on seaplanes. Sometimes we can put it in the mail, too. So today I'm mailing uh, lacewing egg packages. To Huna. To Huna. My second shipment to Huna in just a couple days. And they're going to have these little short-tailed alligators eating their, <laughs> eating their aphids by tonight. That sounds perfect. I saw some. I tapped out some of the eggs, and it was warm enough that they were able to hatch. And I could see them on my table. On your table? The table outside. Okay, not, good. Not your table. Okay. My table. My plastic table. It doesn't have any dishes on it's it. It's dangerous living with David, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I got to keep your eye on him. And it was about, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a sixteenth of an inch. You know, big enough to see without a microscope, but uh, right down there. You have to concentrate to see it. But it was looking, looking for aphids. Out there snapping his big jaws, just like the crocodile and Peter Pan. There you go. That's exactly what I thought when I looked at it, too. Looks like the crocodile. Okay, so uh, come see us. We'll be open from uh, 10 till 4 today, noon to 4 tomorrow. Be closed on Monday. Oh, I bet you're open on Monday. Well... You it's, never know. It's the day before the 4th of July. I, I might be open. You'll be open. I might be open. I, I'll be there. I'm anyway. not going to be open, but you will be. You know me. <laughs> I'm open. Well, people like to come at the last minute and get something for their table or make something nice or, you know. They find themselves. It's it's a Monday. They've got the day off. Right. The weather's going to be The weather's going to be nice. Beautiful. It's going to have a week or maybe even 10 days of nice weather in front of it. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. And what a good time to have. That's right. You and your alligators. 
I'm there with my alligators, and I'll ship them all over the all over the country, happily. You have to you have to when you get them, you have to put them out in your garden right away. This is nothing that you put in the refrigerator and put out little bit by little bit. You get them, you put them out. You get them, and you put them out. And I keep buying them from my pal who's hatching them. So we'll have a we'll have a steady stream of these guys available. What's our time frame? One more minute? Okay. So our last burst. You got annual flowers. They're in bloom. They're looking beautiful. Make sure to give them a little bit of fertilizer. It's the time when they're at their peak right now. They're working hard. They need to be fed. So use a little liquid feed. Make sure they keep on blooming. You can cut them back. They'll come back and bloom again. But make sure to give them a little bit of food. Well, same with your perennials. Always. Uh-huh. Get ready. Okay, this is Margaret Tharp and David Lundrum from Landscape Happy Alaska. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Be safe out all. there. That's right. Happy gardening.